Hello and welcome to the Amateur Hour, a podcast from Amateur Mastermind Productions. Every other week, four, sometimes three, young creatives get together to talk about whatever, whatever it, is, it is young, young creatives, creatives talk, talk about. about. <laughs> Never messed it up. <laughs> my name, as always, is Mike Messina, and joining me to my immediate right, we have the Bert of the group, Joanne Jojo Chang. Hello. What's the bird? Yeah, I don't know what the bird is. Well, wait, wait, wait. wait. So you're going you're to figure it out now. Okay, okay. To my other immediate, right, <laughs> is uh, the Ernie of the group. Oh. Yes, Richard Chow. Hello. What's up, everyone? Yeah, oh, so. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I forget which one is which, but. I have no clue. That's I don't okay. know. The name Ernie sounds derpy. <laughs> I'm pretty derpy. <laughs> so does Bert. I feel like Bert might sound yeah. even derpier yeah. than Ernie. But, um, yeah, so Darren right now is out. He won't be joining us until next week, or I guess two weeks from now. Yeah, for the next, for episode. next episode, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is recovering from a vaccine shot that he got. Yeah. So hopefully he's doing well. Yeah. 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 He did text me, though, this morning about sending him notes about editing okay. from our uh, short film viewing. So he's at least doing well enough to worry about the edit. Yeah, he's probably so trying to get as much as he can done, like yeah. being down and out. Yeah. yeah. Is he back here? Is he, like, in town? I don't think he's so. Probably driving back soon. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Or tonight or, I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully he's good enough to drive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 I think everyone just reacts very differently to the vaccine because I got my second yeah. shot yesterday. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd be, like, super feverish, but I think I was just, like, a little fatigued and mm-hmm. my arm was sore. But otherwise, I'm good. So. Don't jinx it. Where's the wood? <laughs> it's okay. Oh, oh, oh. I don't want to tap. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're not supposed to tap this. Users. <laughs> Bash on the table, snap it in half. Honestly, though. So I think last week as well, we, or again, two weeks ago, last episode, we wanted to establish like a recurring segment to yeah. get to the bottom of Joe's psychology <laughs> concerning Coming back to this? Feet. Yes. Yeah. I think yes. it's a recurring segment. It's going to be every week, but just for like a minute each. So I have a question and we'll do like one question every episode to okay. help get to the bottom of this. What is the worst experience you've ever had involving feet? The worst experience? Mm-hmm. When her friends attack her. <laughs> yeah, because some background, JoJo does not like feet. Yes. That's a big no Disclaimer. I don't, want, I don't want to think about this. I don't know. Oh. I, I think it like super crazy happened. I just think, I just don't like the idea of them. I think probably like my sister when I was younger, she probably like attacked me with her foot once. Oh my god! Probably... How do you do that? Hop on one foot and just like raise one? No, like you know when you're laying in bed and then like, she comes dude. bother you and then she's like, Ugh. I don't know. No. It's too much. I no, can't. I don't know. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, we're yes. gonna be doing this segment for a while. But. Honestly, though. I'm getting slowly exposed more because Rachel. Oh my god, I hate this woman. She keeps <laughs> attacking me with her foot. Cold out. And then mm-hmm. it's, it's by accident. And she's like, oh, "I'm so sorry." I'm like, "Okay." And then she's like, "Oh, you're getting exposed. You're getting better." So I'm like, "No, I'm okay." Oh my gosh, exposure yeah. therapy. Exposure yeah. therapy. Yeah. therapy. I feel like it definitely does help because it's not like life threatening. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. It is a little interesting to me that you have it about a thing that you have. Like, it's a part mm-hmm. of your body, too. Yes. It's not like some extra thing. It's not like if you're afraid of ducks or sharks or something, because obviously you're not a duck or a shark as far as, I'm, as, far as, <laughs> as, far as I know. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But you do have two feet, as far as, again, as far as I know. <laughs> yes, that is true. I don't know. I'm just scared. I remember last year, mm-hmm. I'm like a big food food person, so then like I overeat. Um, and then they were trying to get me to be like more conscious because like I'm also pre-diabetic and then they were like okay if you eat over the certain amount of like calories or like this amount of sweets per day like if you don't meet it then like we'll attack you for our feet and it, it goes up so every time I break over the calorie limit Zero it would be like 
different <laughs> different punishments. So one would be like, like Rachel can like tap my my hand or something with her foot. Another one like goes up, so then like someone can like put their foot on my face. And then another one would just be like different people. And then like one of them's like Jonathan's feet, and like oh super gosh. nasty because she's like a dancer and he plays a lot of sports. So just like think about all the bacteria and like all the sweat mm. glands. The sweat gland, she said. Interesting. So yes, that definitely deterred me. I was probably the best I've been on like any diet ever. I probably like maybe a couple weeks and then, and then it was over because they went home. Mm. <laughs> so I went back to my old self. Okay. I have more questions to be honest, but we'll save those for, for next the next time. installment. Yeah. We need a catchy name for this. We need a good segment Feet title. Feet theory. Feet theory. Like yes theory. Oh my yes. gosh. My... It's a bad relationship right there. Mm. Ten, uh, what's another one? Ten toes down. Mm. Joe's toes. No, <laughs> Joe's toes. no. Guys are going with that. Joe's toes. Dislike, we'll dislike. figure it out. We'll Joe's toes. Out. I think Joe's toes is it. It is, it is pretty toes. good. I like Joe's toes. She's like, this is terrible. We'll workshop it. We'll, we'll workshop it. it. We'll think about it. And so the conversation starter <laughs> that we picked out for this week mm-hmm. um, is the hate crimes rally mm-hmm. that we were all a part of, that mm-hmm. we all helped film and document that mm-hmm. happened on the 27th mm-hmm. yep. on our college campus. Yeah. Does anyone want to recap a little bit about how that went down and what it was? Yeah, I think really quick, let's just go through like some of our roles. I think Mike Mike is downplaying his role, but mm-hmm. he was basically the lead the organizer. Main, yeah, he was the main facilitator. Well, maybe one with, of three. Yeah, yeah. along yeah. with our friend Nordy. And Winnie. And Winnie. Yeah. Um, and they were, yeah, they just absolutely killed yeah. it. And but we had the, I mean, the hate crimes has been definitely very prevalent. And they decided that, oh, they definitely want to use our platform that we have mm. and create a rally at Binghamton University, which is where we attend school. And it featured like, some guest speakers, some student speakers in the beginning, as long as faculty. And then we had like a march around the campus. And then we ended with more speakers as well. So, I mean, I think they did a really good job. So, round of applause. Round of applause. Silent we had a really good turnout, yeah. I would say, and then, like, the crowds are pretty, like, it's pretty crazy, so... It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, and that's why we also, we did, like, a little documentary-style mm-hmm. video that we yeah. put together from the footage we took, and then Darren was editing, and we also clipped some clips as well, Yeah. so we yeah. put that in, and then, yeah, I mean, Mike is also, like, a phenomenal speaker, if you guys don't know. Thank you. I have a yeah. podcast, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it is now, <laughs> but, um, really quick, um... Uh, Darren, Jojo, and Mike, they were all recording the whole time, so I guess we can call them the camera people, along with a couple of other mm-hmm. uh, uh, document documentary kind of like people yeah. uh, throughout the rally And as you well. were on stills and tech support, really, too. Yeah, I was on to stills, tech support. Thing going, yeah. yeah, I was on sound, basically. Yeah. yeah. Super important, because like everybody had to hear. Yeah, yeah, I had to hear. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. Was it really stressful for you, like, organizing? Like, how did the process start? Like, how many weeks or months before you guys start? And, like, what was some of, like, the big grievances? It was uh, many, many weeks before. I'm not 100% sure when, but so we are all involved in the Asian Student Union, the mm-hmm. Asian like affinity group at our college, uh, the three main organizers, I mean. So it was us trying to balance early on. You know, p- part of us wanted to say, oh, let's see what the community does. Let's see where the community mm-hmm. wants to go. We'll bring them together, but we'll let them sort of lead the charge. Figure it out, right? Yeah, but it's tough, especially for the Asian community, because a lot of the times, you know, we don't have that experience planning these kinds of things and, and being as outspoken as mm-hmm. some other groups. So we kind of had to decide, okay, no, we're just going to start planning this and then have faith that Mm -hmm. other people are going to come in and help us uh, lead the charge. Mm -hmm. And that definitely happened. We had 
especially a core group of it, of other individuals, like five to six other people who were really mm-hmm. putting work, getting the word out, talking to local media, talking to some other politicians from mm-hmm. around New York, getting in touch with other Binghamton yeah. alumni. So they did phenomenal jobs. That's your Emma Shens, your Justin Romans, other Binghamton people. Um, and it was several weeks of a lot of work. There mm-hmm. were many times where instead of going home to your off-campus house, we would just stay on campus in our club's office basically all night not basically just all night <laughs> banging out all the logistics of it there and it's also like we've never done this on campus mm-hmm. for like 20 years and obviously 20 years ago it was not us playing that yeah i was exactly one years old 20 yeah. years ago so um it was a lot it was a lot of logistics getting people together getting people on the same page and on mm-hmm. top of that we were also drafting a list of grievances to send mm-hmm. to the university in terms of us not really being very happy with how they dealt with hate crimes yeah. So it took them a whole year to even address the issue. How when things happen on our campus, they say, oh, yeah, some racist stuff happened on our campus, but we're not really going to tell you anything about it. We didn't like the, the fact that they do that. We wanted more resources from them. And right. we we just wanted them to acknowledge the fact exactly. that it's a huge issue yeah. before a big national thing happened. Because, you know, the Atlanta mm-hmm. shootings happened. Yeah. And then that's when the university said, OK, now we'll say something about right. it. But before yeah. that, it was just radio silence for a whole year. Yeah, yeah. I, That's all irresponsible because I feel like a lot of celebrities kind of do this too. They, they get called out yeah. and then like and after they get exposed, something. then they like put out the, I'm so sorry video. And then like all the people are saying like, oh yeah, it's, you're only doing this because now you've been called out for it. Like, I feel like the timing is super important for things like this. So yeah. speaking out early is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like recently there's been like a lot of like scandals like with, I guess YouTubers like David Dobrik because there's been like a lot of like, sexual assault. James Charles. Yeah, it's James Charles. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, definitely not the topic we're like talking about, but I would yeah. say like, I think it's really important that you guys ask for these grievances because the university tends to like keep very silent. Yeah. And like when you're talking about, like twenty years ago, mm-hmm. like the Vincent Chin, like we didn't have like that case specifically. But I think what's really amazing about the rally was that they had we had this like, one walkway where you can like right between like Bardo and like mm-hmm. the spine is the spine. What we call yeah. It. yeah. So there was like a lot of um, timelines of all the hate crimes that are happening now. Yeah. And like it was like really nice. Not really nice. It was nice to see the timeline because then you can see, oh, these are like real facts that are happening. It's not like we're making stuff up. Like, I think it's crazy that some people don't think that it's happening, even though it's so prevalent. And I think that's definitely an issue. So I think the grievances is super important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think part of the whole conversation too is it's. I mean, it's the fact that it's been happening. Like, it's not just recently. Like, oh, Atlanta happened. Oh, like all these old people are getting pushed down. It's like um, anti-Asian discrimination um, um, rhetoric. Um, kind of like this this uh, internalized racism has been prevailing in the United States fetishization mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of oh yeah Asian that woman mm-hmm. right like it has been like it's been a thing mm-hmm. it, it's it's not like it's started and ended yeah. now it's yeah. it's it's been started since the get-go yeah. right and when it, the Asians mm-hmm. came from overseas yeah. and like you know they're invading yeah um, and the Chinese exclusion act mm-hmm. was 1860 I think mm-hmm. um, and it's I think it's it's really important to kind of bring up the conversation too it's like um, how could we, um, like, number one, how could you stay silent um, for so long? But then it's not even about, uh, you know, whether or not you're, you stay silent for a long period of time. It's whether or not you're going to eventually speak out. Yeah. And I think eventually is a long time mm-hmm. coming. Um, and it's important to also note, like you said, you talked about media a little bit. I feel like media tends to be very reactive. And I'm like kind of jumping topics, but um, it's just so... Um, Nobody's taking a proactive approach. Why can't we prevent this? No, because I'm not saying us preventing it. I'm saying like media proactively portrayed 
Asian Americans in this way. Like if you see like oh, the propaganda, oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, propaganda yeah. from like back then, you can see like, like we were seen as like dirty and stuff mm-hmm. because they like almost like relegated us to like rats and yeah. stuff like that. And then like seeing all these other like videos and like like clippings from like mm-hmm. the 1800s and like 1900s, you can definitely see like how the media painted this picture. Yeah. And like it's crazy because the media is in the hands of like so many powerful people mm-hmm. and they have the ability to shape how other people see the world, which is kind of crazy because like, not like we can just go there yeah, and like put yeah, up yeah. like an ad that costs so much money yeah. and like they can put out whatever the, whatever they want and like I think that's insane. So yeah. I think reactive is like, when something so startling happens then we can react but then like uh, yeah I think I meant more along the I completely agree with you by the mm-hmm. way um it, like definitely uh, they proactively um you know discriminated against us I mean you can see it from like the the comics from back in the newspaper days um you, the, the slanted eyes like they literally drew characters like this and this is like such mm-hmm. an offensive thing they like drew it like that mm-hmm. literally was their eyes just like lines mm-hmm. and then they had the, the hair and the buck teeth and that was literally how Asians were portrayed and then they just categorized all Asians as Chinese Mm-hmm. Which is also another big issue, and mm-hmm. the umbrella of Asian is just so large. It's like half the world's population, literally. Um, with even within just two countries, China and India is already basically half the world's population. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, on on the side though, like what I, I think what I meant more is like a proactive approach to stopping this type of discrimination, and they did not do that. And I think a lot of a lot of what the media likes to do um, is actually um, just pull out sound bites. They like to just, um, and I'm talking about more news media, not necessarily. Um, you know, movies or like films or something. I think I'm more mean like documentary or like news type media uh, outlets. They just like to sensationalize a situation, and then they're just like white man kills seven Asian women. But it's also important. Like I'm not saying to diminish the Asian lives that were lost, but it's also there was a Hispanic person killed. I think in that there was a couple other people who were just kind of like um, unfortunately there type of yeah. thing, mm-hmm. um, and they were also killed. And I think. One thing I was saying before, and I, I finally kind of materialized it, race is the scapegoat and the excuse, but hate is the reality. And I feel like the hate is is what fuels it. And they're, all they're doing is taking race and taking like um, this kind of like internalized racism to just scapegoat a whole entire like half the world's population to be um, to be like the enemy in a sense, just because they look alike type of thing. Um, like I'm talking about like Western, at least like Western cultures. Um, and then it's, it's important to also recognize too, like, they don't say anything until Atlanta happens, until multiple lives are lost. Um, but even at that, all they're doing is, is taking sound bites and they're sensationalizing a story and all they're doing is showing violence, but nobody is, is talking about what are the next proactive steps we can take to prevent this from happening again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the rally was so necessary for that because we could have just sat in a pool of like, this person was pushed down, this person was burned, this person was killed. This person was gunned down. This person was stabbed. And then just like left it at that. <laughs> End of story. Mm-hmm. But we, we, I think we needed that next step. What do we need? We need more counselors. We need to start speaking out. We need to start speaking up for our own, our own community. Then we can start, you know, really branching that out. Um, yeah, sorry. I just went on a little tirade right there. But it just, there's so much that we needed to say at the rally. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that was the perfect starting point. And I think now people understand like there is, there is, a way to react to it mm. that can be value add not just being like there's another person who was violently attacked and i'm like i'm not saying that being violently attacked is a great thing or it's like it's okay to just dismiss it i'm just saying we can't just stop at the violent attacks we need to, right. we need to bring the conversation forward and the media doesn't like to do that they just like to say this person was attacked and like sensationalize that i feel like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah definitely they you know the media 
it's reactive. I think yeah. by nature it's reactive. I don't know if I'm expecting the the media, as in the news media, mm-hmm. to to be hosting those conversations, but definitely mm-hmm. at least something more mainstream needs to be yeah, definitely. trying to push these things forward. And when you said starting point, I th- in terms of you know what the rally was mm-hmm. for the Binghamton community specifically, I think that really hit what we were trying to do. We're trying to kickstart something, not say this is we're culminating in this and then that's it. Yeah. It is a jumping off point, and that. You know, one thing that I kept saying in the whole planning process was that this is actually, even though we're staying up all night planning and killing ourselves doing this and doing that, this is the easy part, right? Yeah. Because this is, the, no one's going to say, oh, I disagree with you. I think the hate crimes were great. I think it was a good, no, no one's going to say that. Yeah. It doesn't matter what race you are. That's yeah. not a good look yeah. for anyone. And I don't think anyone really believes that, generally speaking. But once we move beyond this and this, you know, wave of violence dies down, and those issues are still there, are we still going to be willing to go into those spaces and to challenge ourselves especially when it's not, oh, this person's pointing his finger at me when the conversation has to be, oh, I am on some level like demonizing other people and I don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to be in the room long enough and take those difficult steps to say there's something that I'm doing wrong as well and I'm part of the problem in a certain capacity. Some people more than others. Mm -hmm. But still, that's hopefully we can keep that momentum going, Mm -hmm. especially in the Asian community because it's so tough. And to be fair, there have been many, many game changers throughout history who Mm -hmm. are Asian fighting for either Asian causes or other minority causes. Mm -hmm. But it's it would also be naive to say, oh no, we've been in it just as much as everyone else. Like, we need to step it up in the modern era. Because like you're saying, back in the day, obviously, yeah, people were super racist against Asians mm-hmm. with your exclusion acts or your you know yeah. racist caricatures, things like that. You look at Breakfast at Tiffany's, that's mm-hmm. a great example. I love that movie, but I hate those Mickey, was it Mickey Rooney parts? Um, that that <laughs> kind of sucks. He did yeah. a super hardcore yellow face. Yeah. But um. Yeah, now it's a little harder to notice when those things happen against mm-hmm. Asians because of model minority and all that stuff that happened post-World War II. Yeah. So keeping that momentum going, to your mm-hmm. point, yeah. Yeah. I think what you guys said during the rally, too, is really important, like the history, like mm. keeping that. Because once you understand the history, everything starts to make a little more sense. And then it's like, this is not the first time this is happening. And I also really like the fact that a lot of students got up to speak, like um, besides like you giving your like keynote speech and everything else, I think a lot of like, People in the, the keynote. I'm kidding. <laughs> the keynote speech. Is there a motivable? Okay. I think it's really nice that like other students, like you went up as well and you talked about your experience. I think that's really important because mm-hmm. it's not just about like the super like extreme sides that's been portrayed in the media, but also like the stories that like we don't talk about, right? It's like, um, mm-hmm. I was watching this other documentary by Eugene Liang. You saw it too, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like he's the tr- one it's of the like Try Guys long. and he was talking about like the history behind everything and his experience and it says, oh, why is it that oftentimes it's like the first time we're talking about these hate crimes? I'm like, yeah, that's like so valid, right? Like why, like before this, I probably never talked to my, my mom or like my grandma about like, oh, what is happening? Like, like, are you scared to go outside? Stuff like that. And my grandma actually told me that like she got like pushed in the summer, like by some random person. I was like, what's, well, she told me that it was like one or two months ago. I was like, okay, wait, let me report it. And she's like, actually, it's probably three months ago. I was like, three months ago. She's like, yeah, it was warm because he was not wearing a shirt. I was like, it's April now. Three months ago was probably like, not January yeah, in New York City. Not. So I think it was probably like last year. And like, wow. like you can see like a lot of things are underreported. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, well, why didn't you tell me about this? Right? Like, so, oh, it's like not a big deal. I'm like, what do you mean someone pushed you? That's like a pretty big deal. I was like, I'm going to call the freaking cops on them because like that's, or like at least reported to like the hate crimes. So then like we have like documentation of it. But I think it's crazy. So I think it's really important that people spoke out. I think some speeches were really, really phenomenal. I really liked yours. I really liked Claire's. I like I like Kai's as well. Yeah, Kai's was I, really, I was crying. Yeah. I kept looking into the side because like I don't want 
I don't mm. want to keep crying, so yeah. I keep looking away. Yeah. <laughs> like, blinking my eyes really fast. Mm-hmm. I also like the professor, Professor Song, because I think she was also really powerful. So powerful. She Especially her ending. Mm-hmm. Her ending. I don't think, like, a voice speaking out does not have to be in perfect English. Mm-hmm. I was like... Yeah, no, that's really true. <laughs> yeah. And I find a lot of, like, the discrimination comes from, like, the accent, right? Which is so stupid, because, like, this is people's second language. That's, like, so much more powerful than people... Like, can you imagine giving a speech... I cannot give a speak, speech in Chinese or, like... It's just, I don't have the vocabulary for it, yeah. right? And then she's able to, like, do so in mm-hmm. a very, like, coherent manner. The only difference is that there's a slight accent. I'm like, what's, when foreigners go to, like, Eastern countries and they're, like, they talk, like, in Mandarin or something, people are like, oh, my God, you're so good, right? No one, like, no one. It's, like, the standard almost to expect people to speak in perfect English here. And I definitely feel like I, like, am guilty of that too. Oh, like, oh, yeah, like, wow, like, when I see someone speak in perfect English, I'm not just, like, I'm not shocked, mm-hmm. but then like when someone else speaks in like another foreign language, I'm like, wow, like you're so good in the other language. Like, I get it that like America is like one of the superpowers just because of like everything after like the World War Two, but like we're not we're not the center like, of the universe. Like, yeah, we're universe. not the center of the universe. Like, we cut ourselves some shit. Like, yeah. who do you think we are? Yo, honestly, like there's so many people who learn Chinese, and then when I hear it, like my immediate reaction is like, oh, like, you could have accented that better. That really could have been said better. And I, I say it, like, I literally say it in my own head. But I'm like, that's the same type of judgment that Americans love to mm. just, like, push upon, like, non-native individuals. Yeah. And, it, and I'm like, why would I need to do that? Because I'm like, he's trying. He's, his Chinese is better than the layman's, right? Mm. Someone who has not learned the language. It's like, um, it's almost unfair in a sense to kind of, uh, to put that, uh, uh, almost like that expectation. Uh, expectation. Because I'm like, look, like, he, he knows a different language. Like, it's better than no. you. Like, the only mm. language you know is English. Or the only language you know is, I don't know, whatever it might be. But it's like, but even that thought in my head, like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, well, America's not the center. So we don't have to say it that way. Right. We could just say, it, like, you know multiple languages. You know this language. You know that language. Like, we don't need to make it so American-centric. Like, wow, he knows English, but he's Chinese. Sorry, there's just one small thing. Just yesterday, mm. Saturday, yesterday was Saturday, I was on campus, and then there's this Asian guy. Isn't it yesterday Sunday? Oh, Sunday. It doesn't matter. Uh, Continue your story. Anyways, Sunday. There is this there's this Asian guy, and I don't know if he was Chinese, if he was Korean. I don't know what he was, right? Um, but he was walking with this person who's white. And I'm not saying that race necessarily has to play a part in it, but he turned to the to the person, and my, my friends and I are all sitting together. And we're a very multicultural group, by the way. There were quite a bit of Asians, but there was someone who was black there. There was someone who was Hispanic there. There was like... It's not even fulfilling quotas, just we were genuinely like a multicultural group. We were part of Inversity Christian Fellowship. And then they walked by and we all heard it. He like jokingly said to his friend or whoever it might be, he was like, wow, did that Asian person just speak in perfect English? Oh. Really? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> what? And then I, like no, no, none of us said anything because we were just so in shock. We were looking at each other and we were just like, Mm-hmm. like what just mm-hmm. happened you know damn i feel like that you keep bringing up these stories like yeah. this happens to you this doesn't yeah. happen too yeah. much to me I just, that was like literally the first time mm-hmm. i've ever seen that like that was very shocking to me i was like are you not of asian descent like mm-hmm. what just happened yeah i i wonder how i would react to that kind of thing now because i know in the past yeah. i would definitely have been uh you know turn a blind eye or whatever kind yeah. of thing um now i don't know yeah i, 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 I wish know. i walked up I think, to yeah i feel like a part of you is like oh do you want to make a big deal out of this yeah. like is it that big of a deal but then at the same time it's like these things keep happening because like we're like oh, yeah we don't a big say deal. yeah i kind of wish mm-hmm. i walked up to him like i regretted after not being like 
like, standing oh, it's a up joke, and just be like, hey, like, like, what's up with that? You know, mm-hmm. I wish I said something. I genuinely wish I did. Mm-hmm. But it's just so internalized for me to just be like, forget about it. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to your point about, like, reporting and documenting these things, mm-hmm. it's really huge. And that's what yeah. we were trying to do with the rally as well, um, is document it. Because like, like we were touching on before, there was a huge hate crime that happened 20 years ago at our campus where it was a legit attack. It wasn't, you know, someone saying something. It was people taking an Asian dude and, and beating him beating up and stomping him on the ground, things like that. Um, and that happened 20 years ago, which isn't too far ago yeah. at all. And a lot of people just did not realize that that happened. They didn't realize that a rally was, was hosted. They didn't realize that we occupied one of the administration buildings. Um, and now that we have the technology, the cameras and things like that to capture it in a very visceral, real way. It was, it's kind of our, partly our responsibility to do that for the future generations. And it's just a practical measure to do as well, mm-hmm. because if you forget what happened in the past and it's definitely gonna happen in the future, yeah. and especially in a college campus context, we're only there for four years at a clip yeah. for the most part, but administration or whoever's there that is neglecting these issues, are there, you know, for their whole career. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they have that advantage of knowing the history and being able to just wait people out. So yeah. if they just draw out the process long enough, then we're gone. And then yeah. it's a fresh batch of kids who don't know anything about those issues. And that's a reset <laughs> for them. We replay and all the TVs. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, hello, remember last year? You thought this happened already? No, play it back. And that's what we're trying to do. And mm-hmm. the documentary that we did is going to be a huge part of that. Because again, you can, there's a huge difference between reading about something in an old article mm-hmm. and then seeing them Exactly. on film and hearing their voices mm-hmm. and that's partly why i personally love podcasts so much and why i started podcasting is because i thought there were people in the community where you might know their name in college or you might know oh they're a part of this organization or they do this thing for the school but you never hear their voice and hearing their voice is such a huge component yeah. in terms of feeling that connection mm-hmm. between someone yeah yeah i think media is like the super powerful in that sense because mm-hmm. i feel like when i read something it's just takes a lot of imagination. It doesn't feel as real, like reality, like you said, but like seeing it and hearing at the same time, like it combines two senses at once and like definitely ingrains your memory like yeah. a lot. Like visual and audio media. Yeah. Because reading is also media. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. That's true. I do sometimes think though, sometimes when words are written down, they become so much more visceral. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it like depending on how it's written, obviously like, mm-hmm. um, it, it just impacts you in a different way. It's yeah, like you're right. Like sometimes you hear the voice when you see the person, it, it just changed, it does change the game. But sometimes like when you see the words written down mm-hmm. and just how like kind of like visceral some of the, the words are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it all draws out different aspects. Yeah, absolutely. there's definitely absolutely. pros and cons to it. Yeah, and, and media itself is, is a double-edged sword. Double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. And social media is also a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like our Instagram page. By the way. <laughs> With that, I think we're going to take a quick break. Quick break. And then come Refill right the back. <laughs> Refill the popcorn. Yep. All right, we'll see you guys in a bit. So first thing I wanted to say coming back is that we did, in fact, get a refill. We got two refills. So oh, yes. Double the Rachel. trouble. Thank you, Rachel. Also, yes. the one who attacks JoJo. Apologies in advance for all the chewing that's going to be going on. Chewing ASMR. 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 I, again, I said this before to you guys, but I love the ASMR mics that look like ears. Mm. Best thing ever. Yeah. I think everything right. we do, everything, every piece of equipment should be shaped like some some part of the human face some, or something some part of the natural also the natural exactly world. the yeah. lights should look like eyeballs yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. of course yeah or we can get light trees that, yeah well yeah that, that works too mike's like no i like the eyeballs oh, okay weird yeah and we were talking before about like the role of media i feel like podcasts have definitely helped me 
learn how to speak and mm. think about conversations and things like that. And that ties into the whole public speaking thing too, because we had to speak at the rally a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Mm, probably public speaking. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of people fear public speaking and then they just can't get over it. It's like one of their worst fears. So I was wondering like what your takes are because I feel like you guys are pretty outspoken. So have you ever struggled with it or is it something that comes naturally to you? I fear nothing. Okay. That's not true. All right. Ends. <laughs> All right. Mike, you want to keep going with that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I fear nothing is nothing I fear. No, we, we were actually, I was just talking to you, Joe, about martial arts a little bit um, in our like two minute break in between mm-hmm. uh, cuts here. Martial arts was a huge thing that helped me with public speaking, right? And oh, really? Initially, yeah, definitely. And I wasn't a huge sports guy, so mm-hmm. that was not a big source of confidence when I was younger. But then when I would go out of school and then go to the Taekwondo school, where I was able to to kind of be good at something physical there. That's mm. something that gave me confidence. And then from there, uh, my instructor said, you're pretty good and you seem to be serious about it. So they were able to train me to be an instructor. Wow. And I went down to Texas. I got certified. went through a whole training camp wow. there. Wow. Yeah, I, and ironic, started though, teaching. In Texas. What? In I didn't Texas, know they yeah. did that. Kind of ironic. I'm Why sorry. they send you over to Texas? Is that That's just where they, they held a conference. I think it's like oh, a different place every year. Oh, I see. But um, it was pretty cool. And then me going through the whole rigmarole of having to teach classes every day to little kids and to older mm-hmm. kids and to, you know, teens and adult classes, teaching people that are older than me. That is where I really gained the knowledge and the, the skills in terms of presenting myself and speaking to crowds and having mm-hmm. a rhythm to your speaking, fluctuating, being animated and little <laughs> things too. Like they, they really went into the nitty gritty of how to teach someone well. That's, mm-hmm. they kind of did it better than a lot of, you know, public education people do probably mm. you know when we're correcting kids if they kick wrong or something like that they told us praise correct praise you praise something not just mm. because but something that they're genu- genuinely doing well mm. you're like you kick and you kept your hands up that's awesome for defense yeah so you praise and you correct them and then you praise them again when they make the correction so yeah, it's you know, a praise sandwich yeah, exactly that's what they yeah. teach us too mm. that's they? huge yeah. yeah oh oh um so i was a camp counselor for mm. my church actually for a couple of years um, and one of the things that they kind of stressed during training was like, you know, with kids, um, there's positive and negative reinforcement and you kind of need a balance of both because mm-hmm. you can't just be positive reinforcing a kid the entire time. Right. Um, but we called it like, I guess the positive reinforcement sandwich because it was like positive reinforcement, then the critique, like constructive, and then another positive reinforcement. But mm-hmm. like, you know, like this, this, and that. Right. Um, and um, it was like, it, I found it to be like very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, especially one of the kids I was teaching. I remember um, I had more of like a teacher TA role than a counselor, but I, call, I like to call myself a counselor. Um, <laughs> the upgrade. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, um, basically like um, there was a little bit of like teaching during the summer too because we wanted to keep like keep them like their minds a little bit more limber so they didn't just like take the summer <laughs> yeah. pause on education completely. Um, but one of the kids was struggling on math and I wasn't exactly, I'm not exactly a math buff, um, but uh, one of the things I was like, oh, like you did well here. Um, but like next time, like you can try like making it, you know, easier and, and quicker if you think about it this way. Um, but, and then like, and then I was like, no, but like, it's good that you still like kept trying until you arrived at the answer. Um, even though it was a very inefficient kind of route, it was like a very like this and eventually mm-hmm. he found his way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we called it a positive reinforcement sandwich. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like it was, it was probably a little easier to do it in the martial arts context. Cause we didn't have to wait until, Oh, next time you take a test to mm-hmm. do this, we could actually say, now try it when you where you pivot your foot more when you kick, yeah. and then they could do it right in it's front like of you. So it was, it was yeah, I think it was yeah. easier on the us in that way for that second right. second praise. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it just that was like mm-hmm. a public speaking boot camp 
three, four, <laughs> five days a week for mm-hmm. three 45 minute classes in a row mm-hmm. yeah. for me. So that really, really helped me. Mm-hmm. It's not the most actionable advice I can give people all the time when they ask me like, oh, what can I do to be better? I'm like, well, get your black belt, go through a certification <laughs> and then, you know, teach three classes go to a day. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, it's, super, it's super interesting that you guys, because one was like for Taekwondo and then one mm-hmm. is for like camp counselor, but they both have like the same concepts. I feel like mm-hmm. that's really important. I think for me, like, I also, like, taught when I was, like, younger for, like, younger kids. And I feel like it's really important to communicate clearly with them just yeah, because... you have to. Yeah, you kids, they, they, like, they subconsciously pick up on so many so many things. Mm-hmm. So you can really shape how they are. And then I think for me, one of, like, my biggest flaws for public speaking is that I speak really quickly. I don't know if you guys know this. Rap God. Rap God, Rap exactly. God. Rap God. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. She did that once, by the mm-hmm. way. Yes. So, what did you do? Rap. You rapped? What did you yeah. rap? Random, random shit. Wow. Like nothing. Like freestyle or something? It was freestyle, freestyle. but wow. random shit. Wow. It was spoken word. Yes, but anyways, I think I just speak a little too quickly, and I actually took this acting class my freshman year that I also recommended Darren to take. Um, but she was really good at like, because when you're acting, like everyone like listens to you, so then also like the, the intonations really matter and like how you deliver things. I think that I think that class like super awesome. But yeah, slowly and giving more presentations over mm-hmm. time definitely help as well. But I think when you guys talk about the sandwich of like praises, like and then you have like a little bit criticism in the middle, makes sense because I think for kids especially, like when you're told you're bad at something or like we can't do something, they see it as like oh this that's it because like kids don't have like that confidence that they build over time. Like we probably have more experience to build. So like once you tell them like no, a lot of people can get dejected and just like not want to do it ever again. And I feel like that's important to like mm-hmm. have that sandwich. There's there's yeah. yeah there's two there's two ways they they tend to swing from my experiences you say you say a certain thing and either they'll accept it and then like literally almost internalize it make it it's almost like a negative thing or um they'll rebel against it like very heavily and then like one thing too it's like there's a very specific way you ask questions and a very specific way you have to target um like kind of like uh your words Mm -hmm. because if you if you say it the wrong way they'll pick up on that and they'll like call you out on it they have no filter Mm -hmm. um and then like one way if you ask a question and you, you phrase it incorrectly, they'll also pick up on that and they'll almost like, they're almost like not responding. So if you ask a yes or no question, or if you ask them, can we do it? The answer is always no, <laughs> we can't do it. But if you say, why don't we try doing it now? Or like, let's do it now. So make it more of a commanding phrase rather than even a question. It'll help like the kids like kind of get to it. And I will say like, my first public speaking experience was actually through church mm-hmm. um, in second grade. <laughs> and then, um, the parents of my parents' fellowship, like, called me up to, like, say my testimony or something. And at that time, I didn't really understand what it meant. But I kind of spoke upon my experiences. And that was the first time I was in front of, like, I want to say, like, 50 parents. And I was, like, scared, like, literally beyond my imagination. Like, nervous. Not, like, scared, like, oh, like, freeze up scared, but, like, nervous. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, like, literally, I remember the feeling... My right leg would not stop vibrating. Oh, no. I couldn't stop it. I was like, stop, stop, mm-hmm. stop. And it kept like, and I was literally like, like just that one leg. I kept like holding it, but it kept like jiggling. Oh my gosh. I was like, yo, calm down. But I couldn't, I obviously can't control the leg. I mean, it's a movement. But I think right after that, I like, I had no problems. I genuinely had no problems public speaking for some reason. Um, so kind of, kind of pushed into first the ones, yeah. yeah, first one's always the worst. Yeah. I feel like, and and to your point about 
you know, how to praise people and what their reactions are, especially kids. I think that's what's great about video games. And that's mm. part of why I was so interested in video games and I wanted to be a game designer, like hardcore. Like mm. I, was, I started to put in work to be a game designer. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. And one, you know, if you picture playing Mario in the real world, it's kind of ambiguous. You mm -hmm. can fail at things sometimes for, you know, miscellaneous reasons outside of your control. But Mario, it's all you. Mm -hmm. And you can fail and fail and fail no one's gonna give you a handout and say oh you can you know for some reason this level will be easier than mm -hmm. it was the last three tries yeah. no it's you have to accomplish this thing on your own but every time you fail it's not berating you for it and you're not getting penalized right. because you're trying something and failing it's saying no you failed okay you can try again and as long as you're willing to keep on trying and trying and trying you can get better at it and you can, you know, jump that pit and then get to Bowser and, yeah. and do whatever, Ugh. but you can do it as long as you keep pushing yourself. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. When people talk about, oh, game addiction, you know, why, why you, is everyone, you know, throwing away their lives and then just playing this thing doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it is something like that, or it is some kind of just disorder or addiction. Sometimes it's also maybe this game is fulfilling something in their lives that mm. modern society just can't. So yeah. my little brother used to play a lot of Minecraft. Mm. Oh yeah. And for him specifically, I think part of that is because he was a very meticulous person. Part of, He talks sometimes about wanting to be an architect or, or something like that. And if he's just talking to people and you're very meticulous and OCD about things, people might not appreciate that. Mm. But when you're in Minecraft and you're talking to other 8 or 12 year olds yeah. online and then you are meticulous and dedicated <laughs> and you build this huge mansion or something yeah. like that and the other 12 year olds are saying, oh, that's the dopest Yo, thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like that's something you just don't get in real life. Exactly. So sometimes yeah. it is just... You know, a game taking advantage of you. Yeah. Sometimes it's giving you something that you are mm. fundamentally missing in the yeah. rest of your life. I love it's, your view on video games. I love video games. Yeah, Minecraft I can I can really feel it. Yeah, Minecraft, in my opinion, um, and I'll still say it. Like I'll I'll hop on every so often. Um, I can yeah, play. Yeah, like randomly. I mean, like if I have the people to play with, I'll I'll go mm. on. I don't really don't mind. Um, I think it's almost like a lot of people say, oh, it's like it's a kids game. It's a kids game. Reality is like that game is probably. Um, the most freeform sandbox game I've ever literally ever played. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what the beauty of, of Minecraft is like, I remember, you know, back when I was like a kid, like played a lot as well, like middle school, I think. Mm -hmm. um, even like a month after it's like, oh, I got bored of building, right? I'm like, okay, well, they have so many, like it's so freeform that people have created now player versus player arenas. Yeah, and like you build games within yeah, games. Yeah, and you it's build crazy. games within games with plugins within games. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this like super, super freeform, um, you, all you can do type of game where there's so much like creative uh, um, uh, ability and so much creative freedom. And I think that's what draws people because it's like they want to express themselves. Mm -hmm. Where else better than a sandbox reality? Yeah. And like, like you guys said, I think it's nice to build something from scratch too. Mm -hmm. Like I think I really like the idea of like creating something that's like from nothing to something. And like games give you that flexibility because in real life you need money. You need, like, resources. Like, you don't have that stuff, right? Especially as a kid. Like, you don't have that ability to create something out of nothing. Yeah. But, like, the games that you said, I yeah. can see the appeal because you're able to use the game's resources and just pay, like, that upfront fee. Is it, is it free? Um, it used to be when this was in beta phase, I think. And then it became paid. But, I mean, it's, it's like, a very small fee. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. like, $25. It's a smaller game. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, for, for like, literally the whole open yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. And now, that's why Microsoft bought it. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there's also an ex educational aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Some schools are actually yeah. using it. Kind of yeah, yeah. It's awesome. no, I like the one you're saying too about like how it's like the idea of like never giving up and like like you said like in real life you definitely get reprimanded because like not just like you feel bad but then like society tells you that like oh yeah you feel mm -hmm. bad because sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm playing a game I remember like I used to be really really bad I'm still really bad at video games but, like I would just keep failing we'll get there don't worry 
Yeah. So then, like, I feel like when people are watching you with it, you almost feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm wasting their time because they're watching me fail. Mm-hmm. And like in real life too, like you have to like, compare yourself to other people too, because you're know, like, like it could be like a job, or like someone made like another short film, like well, whatever it is, right? But then you're always constantly comparing yourself to those things. And I think it's very like not good for growth because it's not about like what you versus some other person, it's about like you versus yourself, right? Like if you're still improving in the game, like maybe this time you jumped a little bit higher so you can like get past that pit. I feel like that's really important and. Having that sandbox is like nice. So I agree. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. I should get into gaming. Yeah. Start Twitch channel. The only thing is like, I it kills game. me. I it's, don't game anymore. Yeah. It's a time sink and it's a money sink, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So yeah. music's kind of accessible now. Games, if you don't have the funding or the time, it can be tough. But yeah. it's also interesting to me, other genres have also tried to do, you know, sandbox stuff. It's not unique to games. Every artistic medium I think, you know, you have someone who sees something or hears, you know, a cool piece of music and they're like, I want to do that too. And you had some hip-hop CDs back in the day. I think, like, Ice-T or Eminem was talking about this. Mm. They would market it where they have, you know, your whole rap CD. And then at the end, instead of just saying instrumental track, they said, oh, make your own raps. Mm. And that's how they marketed it. Yeah. And it was just an intima- instrumental yeah. track. And it's you making your own thing. And same thing with uh, the Die Hard DVD back in the day. Mm. I think the anniversary edition of it or something like that had a little feature where it was your own you know editing studio and mm. they had right. the actual cut of die hard the final cut and then also all of the other alternate takes and coverage mm. and sometimes it was alan rickman saying an alternate line where he was ad-libbing sometimes it was just an alternate reverse shot yeah, of yeah. the same you know effect of a mm-hmm. blood splatter or something like that mm. and you could go in and you could kind of make it your own wow. yeah that's wow. what looks super cool mm-hmm. i think it's also nice that they show kind of like behind the scenes like you're saying yeah because like yeah. people tend to see like the final product and they're like oh my god i can't do that because it's like so far from like where Unattain- i am unattainable yeah but then like that's not it right because it's like there's so many versions before that that's like it's impossible i remember like i was watching this like screenwriting thing how they sing like the first draft always like kind of sucks it's like the editing is what makes it great right because like when you go through many drafts it's like the first one's not going to be perfect it's always because you edit it and refine mm-hmm. it that's what makes it a lot better and then i think that's probably the same thing with like any like artistic stuff right it's like through revisions yeah. and like Most iterations time, yeah. you make it better unless some people just hit it big then i still feel like they have to do iterations yeah. i feel like for music a lot of times especially or i guess any artistic mm-hmm. medium once in a while it just hits you yeah and it comes where a lot of it is, is already put together mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely. Editing is huge and not mm-hmm. judging yourself. When mm-hmm. you, like, that's a huge mental trick, I think, to get past writer's block is giving yourself permission to say, okay, yeah. I'm going to write something horrible right now. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, yeah. getting able to just get that first version out. Exactly. And, yeah. and then you can, like, you know, you can just, like, brain throw up and then, like, pick out the parts that are, like, not as... Brain throw up. I yeah. forgot who said this to me, but <laughs> I think I'm going to take their advice on it. They, they decided just now? I'm going to take the advice. No, no, this actually reminded me of what they said. Mm-hmm. They said, like, um, the way that they... I guess go about writing or go about anything is like they just um if there's like a theme or something that they have to write about or that they're thinking of they'll just word vomit on like index uh, card or on like a piece of paper um and then literally just like after they vomited <laughs> vomited after they just <laughs> we're sponged. making writing sound so sexy <laughs> yeah i know right brains vomiting <laughs> um every uh it's like well, um, what's it called like um once they've expunged like everything, mm-hmm. it, it like has to do with that topic in their head. Um, that then they would just like pick and choose and like cross things out and mm-hmm. like kind of figure it out and then make an outline. Mm-hmm. So it's like an outline before an outline. And I kind of mm-hmm. like that idea because I myself hate outlines and that's terrible because my brain goes a million miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So I, I almost need to like put the brakes on myself. So sometimes I do go into the, not speak too fast, but the 
speak too much type of realm where it's just like literally everywhere and anywhere to the point where I'm like, where did I even start from? Mm. Like, I don't even know. That's podcasts all the time. You kind of just veer off into whatever direction. Yeah. And I, I always keep, or I try to keep, or sometimes it just happens. You keep like a mental map of the conversation, the flow of conversation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll be thinking, someone will say something I'm like, oh, I can say something about that. But then the, it keeps branching off to another point. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm like, and then I'm just how like, far down that road yeah. exactly before bring... you just say, ah, oh, let's just forget about yeah. that point. There's so many times I've done this, it, to be honest, on this podcast. Yeah, and definitely. I have no problems with that because I'm like, oh, wait, there's this new point. And I actually like, because then what I might have added might have been just repet- repetition, repetitive, mm-hmm. like to the conversation. So I was like, you know what? I actually kind of like this new topic. So I think you'll have your own own views. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be repetitive. It'll just be a different take. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I feel like it, <laughs> that topic, conversations in general, I think it is definitely like the timing, right? Because I had this one friend where like we're talking about something and then she brings up whatever is in her mind, but then like the conversation stops because like she brings up something that's like distantly related to it. So then you're like, wait, how does that relate? And then she says it and then we're like, okay. And then we're like, where do we go from here? Mm. And I feel like that's also <laughs> always so funny to me because it's like people think of different things and it's like we could talk about the same core concept but then like we all have different takes on it and like that's that's pretty cool to see like different unique mm-hmm. viewpoints on it i feel like a lot of people that they make that their brand like oh i'm so quirky and random or some people have the, the crazy brand too where mm. i think a lot of young guys especially they want to be known as the crazy one like oh my god richard he's so crazy he he shotgunned a whole energy drink mm. and then he rode a dog down the street or something like that how know. do I ride a dog down the street? I don't know. I wasn't the crazy one, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Clifford. It's Clifford. Oh, he's a big red dog. Shout out to Clifford. I haven't thought about Clifford in a while. Yeah. I just thought about, I don't know if you guys remember Tim and Moby on brainpop.com. Just mm-hmm. brainpop yeah. on the bell. Yep, 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 yep. I think if I show oh you the Oh my picture, God, the robot. The robot. The robot. Oh my God, they show that in the science class all the time. Damn. Those are good. I used to watch that. I look forward to those because they were mm-hmm. like the fun assignments to do. Mm-hmm. I completely uh, agree. Yeah, that's the good side of the media. Mm, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Educational. Mm-hmm. Educational, yeah. That yeah. was, like, my friend, I think it was during r- rally planning, my friend mentioned it to me a couple weeks ago, and it just it blew my mind. That was a repressed memory. Yeah. That I had not, maybe not repressed, but forgotten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had some traumatic experience with Timmy Moby, and I just shoved it down. Negative reinforcement. He's like, no more. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I remember. He's like the orange robot. Yeah, with the three, like, yeah. buttons yeah, on his chest. Yeah. 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 He, wow. he looks like the first version of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Oh! Yeah. That's where the inspiration came from. He does, from. he does. That's where it came from. Yep. They didn't yep. credit them. Oh my gosh, imagine. Plagiarism. Copyright. Yo, the, companies, the companies are watching right Marvel. now. Marvel. They start suing. <laughs> They're sweating. <Yeah. laughs> the, the Marvel lawyers. Of course, Marvel watches our podcast. Thank yeah, you, yeah, Marvel. Definitely. Yes, all of Marvel. <laughs> All of Marvel. <laughs> They're gonna see just like in an Iron Man movie, like the ceilings of the lawyers' room mm-hmm. is gonna because they have rooms of lawyers where they just listen to podcasts all day. Mm-hmm. Ceilings gonna explode and then it's gonna be Moby. Yeah. Or no, Tim. Which one is the robot? The orange robot from Brain Pop is gonna slowly Moby is a robot. Down. Moby. Yeah. His yeah. eyes are gonna turn red mm-hmm. and he's gonna just shoot beams. From yeah, his, yeah. From his chest. Are they like the Avengers right. are fighting? Like, stop. There's an issue. Ultron. Oh, the Brain Pop robot mm-hmm. Tim or and or Moby. He would demolish all the Avengers. Oh, like, yeah. they're worried about Ultron? No. It's the wrong robot. No, actually, Moby is Ultron. Oh. We're saying it's Iron Man. No, it can be anything he wants. I mean, Iron Man did create Ultron in the film, so... That's true. He takes all the Infinity Gems and Infinity Stones, and he puts them in those ports on his mm. chest. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
pretty sure that's how it goes in the comics, but anyways. Yeah. yeah. Not ruining anything for anyone. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. That's crazy. You never thought that I would have never thought to never thought of Tim Moby. I would have never talked to Moby again. Yeah. What else am I forgetting in my childhood that's so so important? Yeah. Cyber uh-huh. Chase? Yes, I love I, I, Cyber, Cyber Chase. Chase. All the younger like people who are like beyond the near the 1999s like mm-hmm. to be honest really <laughs> forgot everything. one more year would do it i don't know vcr tapes and i'm like vcr tapes and they're like nope and i'm like cds nope i'm like yeah big pause like cds didn't start happening until like midway through my life mm-hmm. like i had vcr tapes like in the beginning like mm-hmm. oh, i had used floppy disks in my high school's um synthesizers mm-hmm. and it was I, i'm kind of glad i got to use floppy disks yeah, yeah. that's like a whole different like Yo, era yeah projectors used to be like those light boxes and you put like a oh yeah through the xerox sheets Oh yeah, and it was projected yeah. over into a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the oh teacher was standing in the room. Yeah, I like when older people say like, "Back in my day, it was just a chalkboard." I'm like, "I know what a chalkboard is. Yeah. I yeah. used a chalkboard before. We still use yeah. chalkboards, bro. They're still around." Yeah, <laughs> they're like as least technology as possible. Yeah. Take it. Yeah, it's okay. I remember, away. yeah, freshman coming in my junior year. So last year, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, like add me on Facebook." They're like, "Facebook? Really? Who uses Facebook?" And I was like. <laughs> to be honest though i was the same way coming into college i think just college like student organizations mm-hmm. love facebook is the best for events mm-hmm. yeah but oh my god facebook's good facebook's no good. they said yeah. oh, everyone uses instagram now i was like, <laughs> I was like I mean, who so owns lost. instagram bro huh yeah. you tell me yeah yeah you tell me i was watching you guys watch the social network <clears throat> social social, social network. network yeah the social network have you have you seen it yeah yeah, yeah. the facebook the who's facebook? the ball yeah but i'm crazy also, it's crazy to see, like, the, what's it called, like, the, what happened in the film, which is, like, what happened in reality. There's, like, just a little mismatch. And, like, it's interesting to see, like, what the directors and, like, writers choose to, like, keep. Yeah. Because I'm just, like, Back to documenting versus, like, Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot, people, a lot of people might be, yeah. like, lazy to, like, search up the real story. And, like, so, it, yeah, that's true. to, like, have, like, nuances. And they just, like, keep it in as that. And, like, a lot of these things that we see, like, over Wall Street, right? Like, not everybody is doing that. But, like, that's what, like, I guess... People who are not in the field see. So, interesting. Everyone in the field sees that kind of stuff, yeah. <laughs> From Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Definitely Wolf of Wall yeah. Street. First, the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the, yeah. I remember yeah. I saw uh, the film Selma about MLK and the Marshals mm-hmm. on Selma. Mm-hmm. And there was one scene. It was, you know, part, it was just a biopic, essentially, of that chapter of his life. There was one part that seemed really out of place where MLK had an affair with some girl and then, you know, his wife found out or his fiance found out or whoever. And then they just never address it again. And to me that I'm pretty sure a filmmaker said, okay, we don't want to unrealistically portray MLK as this perfect human being. And this thing did happen, so we're going to put it in there. But then, you know, you have that give and take where in the overall story, it didn't add anything to it. Mm-hmm. So it's felt just, a little out of place. It's but like exposing him for like... Yeah. I actually feel like it's almost like a... Boop! Like, if you're going to mm-hmm. address you might as well address it fully. And then bring it back to being like, oh, like, anyways, like, he was a good person. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, there wasn't even a whole lot to address, so it was a quick little boop in the story. Mm -hmm. And And honestly, that's probably the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. I think they did it. That's true. It was probably a blip in his life, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I don't know how long we've been recording for the second half, but I think we can approach the the closing segment here, unless there's anything else we want to throw in. No. Okay, so I think we can end with our little word game. I can start us off, then we'll go down this way. Okay. To Joe and Richard. Sounds good. Uh, Popcorn. Is. The. Smelliest. And. Stinkiest. 
foot. <laughs> in the entire universe. That's it. All right, there you yeah. go. Why'd you, was that foot? You said foot. He said foot. Said I foot. did. Yeah. Yo, I thought you would use foot as a modifier and say, "Oh, it's 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 the worst like foot massager or something like that." Um, yeah. Weird. But you know, it's okay. You didn't pick up on on the obvious logic that I was yeah, using. Yeah, that's true, so that's okay. true. But yeah. All right. All right. Sounds good. We'll catch we'll you, see you next guys time. next time. Uh, and Darren will be back with us. Yes. All right. But next time it'll be just Darren. Yeah. Just Darren. Darren. <laughs> just him by himself talking to like ghosts. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be funny. That would be really funny. Like we have like we have like mics talking to him, like asking him questions. It'd be like a little interview. Oh my gosh, we should just stand on the other side of the camera. It's like, what do you think about this topic? You won't know. We'll start recording the episode before this one comes out. Then that way it'll be really funny. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Anyways, I'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, do we, should we just tell them here? If you like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe. Follow us on our social medias at amateur underscore mastermind on Instagram. That's our most active platform. And also leave your comments and thoughts in the comment section below so we can hear about what you think about what we talked about today. Yeah. Thanks for watching and see you next in two weeks. Yeah. Bye. It's amateur mastermind, no underscore. Oh, we... yeah. oh that's right. I forgot. Yeah. We, we got hacked. It. We got hacked. We Russia. Got hacked. Man, scary. There was a comment on one of our first videos from like this Russian. Like this, it's like in Russian. Remember? Do you remember this? I do not remember this. Maybe that's how it happened. But anyways, ah. quick backstory. Our Instagram account. <laughs> this is never ending. I know. It just said login from Russia. And I was like, no, that, not us, not us. So I just like changed the password for all my accounts I was in charge of, which is like five. Yeah. So I was like, dang it. Oh, real all of them? Because I didn't know. Instagram doesn't tell you this is the account that's affected. It just says there wasn't like, oh, someone no. who accessed your account. I was like, I have more than one account in this oh, phone. No. Like, which mm. one am I talking about? Oh, no. Yeah. So I just thought it'd be safer. Yeah, I also have two-factor, two-step factor identification on my. Oh, private that's the one worst. Now. Yeah, <laughs> well, but also necessary. That's yeah, the very worst. Necessary. Yeah. All right. Anyways, catch you guys All next right. time. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Amateur Hour, where we talk about whatever it is we talk about. Um, please like, comment, subscribe. We would love to hear your thoughts in the comment section below, and also follow us on our social medias. Our Instagram is Amateur Mastermind, which is the same thing for our Facebook, and our website will be AmateurMastermind.com. Thanks again, and see you in two weeks. Bye.